Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market like we are every Sunday at 10. And I'm solo, flying solo this week. You know, it's the holidays and people taking vacations. And, you know, here I am hunkered down. I am I am staying the, the course, not going out of town. And I am here to give you all of the real estate knowledge that you need this weekend. When we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, every social media out there, Instagram, at The Duncan Duo. Again, at The Duncan Duo and all of our social media channels. Make sure to follow us. We're always putting out good, creative real estate content. Um, you know, in the new year, we'll be announcing the uh, our annual client and agent appreciation party. Um, we don't have a date honed in yet, but it will be at Amelie Arena. We'll announce that. We'll have some cool giveaways, lots of signed memorabilia. And uh, make sure, you're again, you're following us on our socials because we're always making sure to give away tickets and different things. Uh, you know, so, again, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Twitter, um, and uh, make sure you're following us at the Duncan Duo. So, what seller? What should sellers look for in an offer on their home? Look, it's no secret the last few years that there have been these, you know, really large hedge funds that have come into the market and said, "We'll buy your house cash." And so, you know, you've seen their ads, you saw their billboards. When the market was hot, they were giving offers that were pretty competitive. Um, and, and when I say pretty competitive, you still would have net more money hiring an agent. Uh, in fact, the federal trade commission fined them millions of dollars because they were saying that they were netting more than real estate agents and it was factually proven untrue. So they had to pay a, a gob of money in fines because they were deceptively advertising. But nonetheless, those companies were, were offering closely competitive offers. Now that the market has shifted. Those cash offer companies that offer all the convenience in the world are offering really much, much lower percentage of value prices. They're, it's just not nearly as advantageous as it was a year ago to go with one of those. Now, we, we do that, too. We will give you a cash offer as well. But the majority of the time, it's not the right path. The majority of the time, you can net more money. You can still sell your home fast. Um, but the key to this, okay, the key to still selling your home fast, despite a slowdown in the market, is the agent that you hire. There are a lot of agents that got into the business the last few years that only know how to sell a house in a hot market and only knew bidding wars and relaxed, easy marketing, and they didn't have to put a lot of interest into the marketing. They didn't have to shoot good photos. They could shoot them with their cell phone. They could drive by the house and take a couple you know, quick snaps, throw it on the MLS, and pretty much everything was selling. And any agent with a pulse could sell a home when interest rates were in the twos and everyone was a buyer. That has obviously changed. And so what we've seen um, is those large hedge fund companies have lost 90% of their value. Their, their stocks are down 90 plus percent, basically because if they couldn't make money selling homes, which they didn't, in the hottest market that our country has ever seen, they're not going to make money in a real estate market like the one right now. So what you're seeing is more and more sellers uh, going away from those instant cash type scenarios and going to agents. And what I want to caution you about and what we're seeing right now, as you start to close towards the end of the year, you have a lot of home sellers out there whose homes are on the market with agents that are failing them. Agents that don't know how to sell in a shifting market, agents that haven't invested in the marketing dollars. You know, it's, it, in the real estate industry, if, if someone out there listening is a veteran at all, like, it, and I don't mean a, 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 you know, a military veteran, I mean a veteran of the real estate industry, December 31st is the 
day of the largest you know homes coming off the market day of the year. A lot of people will get frustrated and say, "I'll give you till the end of the year." So anyway, we're seeing these people calling us and saying, "Hey, my home isn't selling. They're on the market, and we have to kind of try and guide them back to their agent." But there are a lot of people that are calling us frustrated because they've hired the agent that would do it for, on the cheap, uh, and they thought they were saving money, but in reality, that agent doing it on the cheap really isn't doing it at all. They're not saving any money because the home isn't actually selling. So the reality is, is the market has shifted and it, it's a different approach. It's a different tactic to sell a market, to sell a house in a market of today. And we've obviously got, you know, decades of experience. Uh, I've been in the business since 2005. So I saw the upswing, the downswing, the upswing, and now again, the downswing. So, you know, we kind of have a blueprint for what to do. You know, we pulled out some old PDFs and old PowerPoints and, and old graphs and charts of what we did in a prior shifting market, plugged them right in. And we're, you know, we're, we're doing incredible things for our clients, but sellers out there don't really know what to look for. They were used to this whole convenience cash offer thing. And now that that is really not the same because the offers are coming in well below market and not competitive, um, you know, sellers have to start being more prepared. Uh, in selling their home, they're not as likely to sell to a cash buyer. They're not as likely to get a bidding war. They're much more likely to get one offer and have to negotiate with that offer. And and they need to pay more attention. You know, when when you had six offers on a house, it was, you know, you kind of did a pit and, you know, pit them against each other, a comparison and contrast to try and pick the best one. And a lot of the times they were picking cash. So now that that isn't as much the case, you've got to you've got to think about the factors as a home seller. Um, when you uh, are selling. So you want to research your preferred financing method. You want to talk to your agent. If your agent doesn't know all the different different nuances of all the different financing programs available, probably have the wrong agent. You probably need to fire them and, and hire somebody else truthfully in today's market. You know, and, and I say that, but but it's it, it's the reality of the market. There are a lot of ill-prepared agents that aren't ready for this market, that aren't ready for the slowdown that will probably get out in the next next six months and that have homes on the market that they're doing a disservice right now. So your preferred financing method, here's what I mean by that. Depending on the type of property you have, whether it's a single family home, whether it's a condo, uh, whether it's a house that needs work, uh, whether it's a uh, manufactured home, whether it's a luxury property, um, there are different loan programs for every different type of property at different um, you know, down payment amounts, different interest rates. So your agent needs to know what the likely financing scenario, best case scenario for you is outside of cash. So for example, if a house needs a lot of work, maybe it won't qualify for an FHA loan. Or if um, it's a condo and uh, FHA won't approve the homeowners association because of their reserves or the number of owner occupants or um, you know, different things in the homeowners association, or, um, you know, it can't qualify for a FHA or a VA loan because it's uh, above a certain dollar amount. So you need to research your preferred financing me method and know that ahead of time. Next, um, you want to, you want to get a large earnest money deposit when the market was super hot and everything was selling, you weren't as concerned about a, a large escrow deposit because if the buyer flaked or canceled, uh, you had another buyer standing there ready to go. In a market like this, where you might only get one buyer, you want that deposit to be big enough that it's enough that if the buyer lost it, uh, it would be painful for them to where they may stay forward and move. it may be enough to convince them to stay the, the course and still buy the house, okay? So the larger the escrow deposit, the more the buyer's committed, and the better, you know, in a sense, 
the better insurance you have that the buyer is actually going to close. The smaller the deposit, the easier it is for that buyer to walk. And then you're starting the whole process over. You've eaten up days on market. Everyone thinks something's wrong with the house and you're, you're behind the eight ball. So you want to get that deposit. You want to push for a larger escrow deposit. You want to consider fewer contingencies, but gone is the market where you can ask, you know, for no contingencies. That just isn't happening very often anymore, except in, you know, rare neighborhoods or circumstances where the house or the product that hits the market is still in super high demand and there's few buyers for it. But the market has softened. It's still a seller's market. Um, so you certainly can ask for quicker contingencies or lighter contingencies because um, the fewer the contingencies, again, similar to the escrow deposit, the fewer ways the buyer has to get out of the contract and to cancel. So consider um, you know, fewer contingencies. And when I say contingencies, they're like conditions of a contract. I mean things like uh, an inspection period, uh, an appraisal contingency that requires the home to appraise above at or above the purchase price. This was something that was getting waived a lot a year ago. People were saying, I don't care if it appraises, I'll make up the difference so that their offer could get accepted. That's happening less and less today. Uh, other contingencies are contingencies about uh, you know, the, the clearing of title, uh, about uh, past due uh, HOA fees or past due taxes. Well, there are also contingencies and contracts about having to sell the home that you're in presently in order to buy that one. So the fewer conditions you can have, the better. But you're going to have some conditions. Again, a year ago, you could see home sell without any conditions and cash. And there were plenty of buyers ready to gobble up the inventory. That just isn't the case today. Doesn't mean homes can't sell. It just means they're not selling as quick. Uh, the buyer has a little bit more leverage. They're still selling for very close to asking price. But there's a, a, a little bit more leverage that the buyer has in the negotiation for the seller to cave on some of these things. Uh, the next thing is you want to opt for an ideal closing time in the negotiation. Every situation is different. Uh, some sellers are so ready to get out that they'll close fast. Some need more time to find a house. Some have already bought a house. Some don't want to close around specific holidays. That's something we deal with this time of year. If, if someone comes in and offers to close on a house on December 26th, you may not want to do that because you might want to enjoy you know, your family for the holidays. Or there could be tax reasons that you don't want, that you do or don't want to close the, your real estate transaction this specific year. Whatever it is, do your research, talk to your accountant, talk to your agent, and when an offer shows up, have an idea of what you want for your timeline. Again, comparing today's market to a year ago, a year ago, the seller could pretty much get whatever timeline they wanted. In some instances, they could stay in the home post-closing for months at a time, or they could have a fast closing, or they, you know, they, they could be given more time. The seller was really in the driver's seat. Now, not as much so. Still some. Seller, seller still has some, uh, you know, some leverage here. But everyone's ideal closing time is going to be different. Again, it just depends on your circumstances and, and what you want. Um, it's not uncommon um, you know, to, to have a fast closing. It's certainly not uncommon to have a long closing. It's really up to you in terms of what you want to ask for. And, but certainly understand that if the timeline you push for doesn't align with the buyer, it isn't just the house that a home buyer is buying. A home buyer is also buying the process, okay, the convenience and the timeline. 
if your timeline doesn't work out with theirs, your house may not be the right one for them despite them loving the house. It's the situation as well that matters a lot. So make sure that you can be somewhat flexible with that, um, you know, so that you don't lose a buyer, you know, over um, over that um you know, situation. So again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on WFLA News. I'm Andrew Duncan. I am solo today. Hope you're enjoying your holiday season. We're going to talk less next about interest only mortgages and interest rate buy downs, something that's happening a lot for, um, you know, home buyers to be able to afford moving into a property. Um, and uh, there's some pros and some cons to it. We're going to talk about it after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. I am Andrew Duncan. I am solo today. No co-host. It is just me, myself, and I talking about what I love best, which is real estate and basketball. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to talk about basketball or cars. Those are the other things I love. But uh, talking real estate today, when we aren't on air, again, at the Duncan Duo and all of our social channels, what is an interest-only mortgage? It's got a stigma to it. You know, there are a lot of people that remember the downturn, you know, over a decade ago and how many people had interest-only mortgages and how much that contributed to the downfall of the market. So it's not one of those things that I want to come out and bless and say that everyone should go get an interest-only mortgage uh, because there are a lot of people that that shouldn't. Um, Because, again, an interest-only mortgage prevents you from paying towards your principal in your automated payment. One of the benefits of buying a home is like an automated savings plan. While you're paying the interest, you're also paying down the asset, creating equity. It's like a mini savings account for some people. However, I also know that interest rates have risen and people are looking for ways to buy their home affordably. So what I want to caution you about with interest-only mortgages. So an interest-only mortgage allows you to pay only the interest. It is exactly what it says. Um, You're paying only the interest. And in some instances, they're adjustable rate mortgages. They're two different things. An interest only uh, interest only can have a fixed rate uh, to where you're paying only the interest. Uh, but again, if the home value drops and you're not paying towards principal and you have to end up selling that home, you're going to be in a worse equity position. Uh, but, but again, that may be what it takes for you to be able to buy a home today. So interest only mortgages can be good. They can be bad. The uh, the adjustable rate mortgage is also something that a lot of people hear because they know from back a decade plus ago that that was something that um you know that helped contribute to the downfall of our real estate market. An adjustable rate mortgage basically allows someone to buy a home with a mortgage that adjusts based on you know n- not really the Fed rate but just based on a prime rate where your rates can go up or can go down. So your payment isn't set in stone. In some instances, when when rates are high, uh, you can benefit from that. The risk is that if rates really go up, uh, if the prime rate really goes up, you could get stuck in a situation paying a lot more for a house than if you'd stuck with a, a fixed rate mortgage. So they're a gamble in a sense. There are some people that would um, would do it because it's placeholder money. And they can justifiably, they have enough money in the bank, they have a financial situation, they can afford it. 
Um, you know, they're they're doing it because they have the money and they're wanting to preserve capital. If you're doing it because it's the only way you're able to qualify to buy a home, I strongly recommend it or recommend against it. If you're doing it because you have other ways of making money with that money and you have more than enough money to pay the mortgage and pay the house off, that's a different scenario. Then you're taking advantage of the market. So the the other, uh, again, the obvious advantages of an adjustable rate mortgage or a, um, a an interest-only mortgage are the lower monthly payments. So, you know, again, the disadvantages, um, you know, and when I say low monthly payments, it's also improved cash flow. I mean, it, it it's not rocket science math here. If, if your payments are lower, that means you've got more cash. The disadvantages are typically you have to have a larger down payment, um, you're you're going to have higher interest rates, and then you're not going to build equity. So should you get an interest-only mortgage? Um, you know, if you only need lower mortgage payments for a while, like you have a raise coming or a settlement or something like that, your income is going to rise. Uh, you know, you're you're getting married and your spouse is moving in with you in six months. Th- those are scenarios where you have a a blueprint for how you're going to solve that down the line. Um, you know, if you plan to relocate or downsize eventually, sometimes it can it can help. If your income varies, um, you know, sometimes it can be helpful because you can you can contribute more to principal to help offset and build equity when your income is higher than when it's not. Um, and and you can make a large mortgage payment before the initial phase ends. So again, kind of going back to that settlement thing. So there are a lot of reasons that. Um, interest-only mortgages, adjustable rate mortgages can make sense for people, but there are a whole lot more where they don't. So again, I saw so many people get taken advantage of uh, in the last downturn with interest-only and adjustable rate mortgages that I have a hard time recommending them to anyone. But to the select few people that are doing it because they have a legitimate plan for how to address the equity situation and the... um, you know, the, the, the scenario where their payment could rise, uh, it can make sense for people, but, but again, it's a gamble. So we're going to continue this conversation. We're we got some questions that have come in, um, and we're going to talk about those. We're going to give you some updates about what's going on specifically in Tampa, uh, after a quick break here on the Duncan duo show. So we're back here on the Duncan duo show, talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. I am Andrew Duncan. Hope you're enjoying your holidays. I got to celebrate my team couple days ago and um you know we had a holiday party at my house uh incredible party we we do it at my house and you know the reason we do it at my house because i've got a great house for entertaining it's on the water i've got a pool we we bring out the the uh the karaoke machine and you know get a bartender and food and you know we have an incredibly you know good time um and and so it was great to celebrate my team and and i want to shout them out because despite a lot of obstacles this year and a lot of system changes um, you know, we still had a great year and we are so prepared for 2023. Um, we've added nine agents to my company in two months. And, um, you know, I have a new director of agent growth and training. His name is Don Boardwell. And I think Don is going to completely change the blueprint of my training program for agents and bring agents into the company. So if you are an agent out there and you've looked at us before, or you've thought about a change, or you're thinking about getting into real estate, um, definitely check us out. Join the duo.com. We, you know, we, we've definitely rolled out some new ideas for training and coaching and new ways 
to help our agents hit the ground running and be successful. And I am someone that does not believe in retreating with what's going on in the market. I'm advancing. I'm continuing to advertise. I'm continuing to grow. I know a lot of people will get out of the business. I know we will pick up market share. I know that home sellers will get more and more conscientious that they need to hire the best agent instead of just their brother's cousin's friend who will do it on the cheap. And so we are so well positioned for what's happening in the real estate market to grow. And I couldn't be more happy with how we closed the year and how we're prepared for 2023. So if you're an agent out there thinking about a change of pace, not happy with the leadership where you are, not happy with your income, or afraid that you might have to go get a job if you don't start getting sales, man, I got hundreds of thousands of leads in my database. We've got systems for reaching them. We continue to add, you know, thousands a month. And, you know, we, we're definitely hiring and in growth mode despite what's going on in the market. So anyway, uh, moving on, where are home sellers cutting prices the most? So there are states out there that are seeing home price drops. Guess what? Florida is not one of the top 10. I'll read through them very quickly. Um, the percentages of listings with price reductions by state. Arizona, 40%. Nevada, 37%. Utah, 32%. Colorado, 29%. Idaho, 37%. Washington, 25%. California, 23%. Texas, 25%. Georgia, 21%. South Carolina, 21%. So a lot on the West Coast besides uh, Georgia and South Carolina wrapping out at number 9 and 10. And, and so those were at 21% of homes where the prices needed cut. Let me tell you why that's not happening the same in Tampa. Now, are home sellers cutting their prices in Tampa? Are we seeing prices drop? They softened a little bit in uh, late summer. Actually, all the way through the summer, prices softened. Since then, they've really stabilized, and we've not seen the average sale price take dramatic hits. It's really been more of a flattening of the sales spike that we've been seeing for the last several years. So there's a few reasons why Tampa isn't uh, Tampa, and then Florida in general are not getting hit the same way as other parts of the country. Uh, number one, population growth. In addition to the, the mass exodus um, of people from northern states for political and COVID reasons, uh, we saw a lot of people moving here, and, and I'm, not, I'm not creating this as a narrative. These are people telling us that's why they're moving. Uh, we, we saw a large exodus of people for that. We're seeing a large, people, a large amount of people moving to Florida for no state income tax. We're seeing people moving to Florida because they compare our home prices to New York and to California. We're seeing people moving here for our climate. Um, yes, we had a hurricane down a couple hours south of us. However, besides that one, um, you know, we didn't have a large impact in Tampa Bay, and we continue to have people moving here because they want um, you know, this incredible climate. Another reason why Tampa Bay continues to get people moving here the national news talks about Tampa on a very regular basis because we have winning sports teams. The more that you have winning sports teams, the more people feel like a city is a winner, and the more they look at reasons to want to move there. When the Bucks make the Super Bowl and the Lightning make the Stanley Cup final and the Rays go deep in the playoffs, um, there are millions and millions of people seeing Tampa, 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 and you know, kind of aligning us as a winner. It attracts people to our area. So those are all reasons that people are attracted to Tampa. Now, what specifically with real estate, why we are um, not seeing the downturn in prices that um, other areas have seen 
again, is that population growth, but another phenomenon, okay? We have not seen an increase in inventory, okay? So re relevant to other states. Here, here's what I mean by that. When I say inventory, I mean the number of homes available for sale. Has it increased? Yes. Is it increasing at the rate that it is in other areas compared to demand? No. So we are seeing more listings at the market. The ratio, however, of new listings hitting the market compared to buyers that were growing um, it is not growing at the same pace. The supply and demand curve is still in favor of the seller and still in favor of a very healthy real estate market here. So in addition to all the people moving here, the builders post-COVID and because of supply issues couldn't create inventory fast enough to keep with demand. So there's still a lag. There's still buyers out there looking for homes and can't find them because we're not seeing enough inventory hit the market. Another reason is because we're not seeing people leave as much. Um, in, in years past, you would see a, a larger exodus and a, a, and a, you know, people retiring and moving to other areas. Now we're seeing a lot of people hold on to their homes and staying put. Why is that? Well, again, a lot of people feel that Florida has been governed better than other states. They feel happier living here. They feel more free. They don't want to move to a state or an area that, that may, that may they may lose some of that. So they're staying put. Another reason why home sellers aren't coming on the market uh, specifically, uh, interest rates. So you have a home seller who is in their house at an interest rate in the twos or the threes. Um, sometimes they might sell and move or move out of the area. They don't want to give up that 3% interest rate to move to an area where it might be in the sixes and an area that realistically couldn't maybe be governed as well as Florida. So governments, you know, the government has done a good job in Florida and in Tampa Bay of managing growth. And, you know, certainly there are the pundits that, you know, aren't happy with it, but there are plenty of people out there, probably about a third of the population that's never happy with anything. <laughs> so, you know, you're never going to make everyone happy, but the reality is, is our real estate market is healthy also because of local government and state government choices to make our economy and our state more desirable for people to live in, but also more desirable to not want to leave. So we are not seeing the uh, price drops that you're seeing in other areas. Now, again, are some homes lowering prices? Yes. Are some homes not selling as fast or selling for a percent, you know, a little bit lower than asking price? Yes. Compared to other states, though, our, our Florida real estate market and our Tampa Bay real estate market is performing incredibly, incredibly well. So an example that, that I'll give, um, you know, I think the other side of it is that you know, sellers here are, are, you know, maybe being more realistic with their price now up front than having to lower the price. Maybe they're cutting to the chase and maybe, maybe there's a little bit of that that means that we've got some really great agents here. Uh, I don't really think it's that, but you know, if you're hiring the Duncan duo, then yes, that's what it is. So again, you're listening to the Duncan duo real estate show here on WFLA news. When we aren't on air, make sure to follow us at the Duncan duo uh, on all of the socials. We're always giving you great tips, great advice, and great insight on social media, letting you see what we do on a daily basis, how much fun my team has, I think is the other part of it. If you're a real estate agent and you go into your office and it's drum and boring and no one ever has fun. Follow us on our socials and I think you'll see a completely different environment that we have. Take a look at the videos and the photos from our holiday party and you'll see that we have gobs and gobs of fun. And you know what? We're also not 
uh, always politically correct. You know, I'm not corporate America. I don't run a corporate America business. I run a small business. Uh, you know, I make the decisions in the business with a, a group of leaders. But, you know, we have fun. And and sometimes, um, you know, some real estate companies have gotten a little too corporate and stuffy for people. And uh, that is definitely not the environment at the Dunkin' Duo. So another tip that I want to give people this holiday season before uh, we roll to our next segment and our break. Um, you know, look, it's the holidays. If you're thinking about buying a home next year, here's some things that you want to avoid. Number one, you want to avoid overspending on Christmas. If you throw your debt to income out of whack by putting way too much Christmas on a credit card, uh, you could essentially put yourself in a um, you know a really, really tough position and not be able to qualify for a home in, in the new year. So that's number one. Number two, everybody and their brother hits you with 0% interest, zero payments for 24 months on furniture. Okay, don't fall for it if you're going to buy a home next year because you might say, oh, but I don't have to make any payments. I don't have to pay any interest. It's free. Okay, look, it's not free. All right. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Uh, politicians try and sell free lunches every day. They don't exist. Okay. There's no such thing as free. If you are not um, able to buy it out of your own pocket, okay, Oh, you you should you should strongly reconsider going into debt for anything during the holidays if you plan to buy a home in the first part of next year. I see way too many people go out and then they get that, and the problem is is that the lender is forecasting out your uh you know three years from now when you might have to have payments and expecting your income may not rise, and now you have that furniture payment tacked on top of it, and ipso facto that furniture payment or that car payment that's another one. Oh, the all the best deals on the cars. All the best deals on furniture, the best deals are there every weekend. They got a new sale. They got a new discount. They got a new interest-only thing every single weekend. You go buy that, and then a year down the line when the payment shows up, your mortgage payment's still there, and you default on your mortgage. So, again, in addition to that, um, you know there are plenty of people that just impulsively buy things they don't really need during the holidays. If, if you are going to impulsively do something, impulsively give, you can impulsively help some other people, but don't do it on credit. If you're buying a home in the new year, okay, again, that's the caveat here. I'm not saying don't go get credit. I'm not saying don't go buy furniture or car. I'm saying if you're buying a home in the new year, be very hesitant to enter into any of those because they disqualify people from getting mortgages all the time. If you qualified for a mortgage six months ago, okay, and they told you, oh, yeah, you can go get furniture. You can go buy a car. It's changed. Interest rates are higher. Qualifications have changed. Make sure you talk to your mortgage lender don't go make a mistake, a financial mistake that, you know, you got all this great furniture in your apartment. Now you can't move it to your brand new home because you got it on credit. Even though you don't have payments in two years, it does not matter. The lender knows in two years you will have a payment and they will see that that payment at that time, two years from now, will be more than you can afford. So again, you're listening to the Dunkin' Doe Real Estate Show. We'll be back. We're going to wrap up our last segment uh, talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. If you're a real estate agent thinking about making a change, want a new fun environment, want to make more money, want to go somewhere that's got it figured out despite what's going on in the market uh, and intends to grow and not retreat, make sure to check us out at jointheduo.com. You can apply for a free uh, confidential con a consultation with our Director of Agent Growth, Don Boardwell. And Don will take you through what it's like to work for our team, how much fun you're going to have, as well as how much money you're going to make. Again, at jointheduo.com. Renters, guess what? Here's some signs that might be ready to buy a house. And look, you might be listening and want to turn this off and say, oh, I don't want to listen because I'm not a renter and I'm a homeowner. 
but you might know a renter. Maybe your your kid, your grandkid, maybe your you know your cousin, maybe one of your good friends is renting a house. Okay, it is a proven fact that homeowners historically have a much higher net worth than renters because when you own a home, you treat it better and you invest in it and you pay towards the principal and you establish better financial choices and decisions. So if you're a renter, here are some signs you're ready to buy a home. You need more square footage. A common one, um, you know, you're, you're getting married, you're having a child, your apartment isn't enough space, and you need more square footage to house your family. So that is a common reason a renter may be ready to buy a home. You're looking for outdoor space. You know, maybe you've got pets, again, maybe small child, um, and, and you need some yard space. A lot of apartments, um, condos, properties don't accommodate for that. So if you need outdoor space, again, maybe it's time for you to look at uh, buying a home. You want the flexibility to customize your home. You know, you want to paint the walls. You want to upgrade the kitchen. You want to, um, you know, be able to make the home your own. A lot harder to do that in someone else's home than it is to do in your own home. And certain things that, you know, there could be, you know, ways the household functions. It could be appliances. It could be, you know, there are just so many different things that you can customize in your own home that when you live in someone else's home, you either have to have the landlord's permission or it doesn't make financial sense for you to improve their home. As someone who's been a landlord on a lot of properties, man, I love when a tenant goes in and improves the property or updates the appliances or, or you know, cleans up or does something because they want that, you know, they want that. But in reality, that ends up financially benefiting me and not financially benefiting them. Uh, you've saved up for a down payment. So maybe now you have the ability to put the money down. And, um, you know, that may have been what was holding you back. And you've saved up some money for maintenance, emergencies, and repairs. I am a firm believer that every single buyer out there should have an emergency fund. You should be able to make a few mortgage payments. You should be able to make, um, you know, repairs. You should be able to, you know, all those things should be able to help, you know, you survive should you get hit with some sort of, you know, financial obstacle. So make sure you've saved for maintenance, emergencies, and repairs, and you have some money put away. Um, you're looking for an, an investment. You know what is interesting about investments? People always talk about investments as being financial. Investments are not always financial. Sometimes investments are emotional, okay? Sometimes you make an investment into something and it gives you a sense of worth. It gives you a good feeling. It makes you feel accomplished and it helps you produce and perform in other aspects of your life. So investments aren't always about money. There are plenty of investments that I have lost money on, but overall they helped my quality of life and they helped me. Okay. So it isn't always about making money. Sometimes you're making an investment because it helps you emotionally or psychologically. Buying a home is likely the largest financial transaction we'll make in our lifetime. And a home is an investment that may potentially help you help you create generational wealth, but but maybe not. Regardless, it's a stepping stone for people. I know when I bought my first home, I bought my first home on 73rd Street in St. Petersburg, close to uh, uh, Jungle Terrace area, okay? And so when I bought my first house, and I did make money on it uh, when I sold it, but when I bought my first house, I made some mistakes, uh, some mistakes that I had to live with, some mistakes that now I know I wouldn't, wouldn't have bought that house if I had to do it over again. Um, however, I learned from it. 
And and I the things I learned from it allowed me to buy better the next house, allowed me to put away money, allowed me to write off things on my taxes, allowed me to grow, also gave me confidence. Um, you know, there were a lot of things that buying a first home does to set you up for success in life. It is a proud moment that can trickle into other aspects of your life. So don't think of investments just as financial. There are plenty of investments that are emotional and psychological that can, that are considered stepping stones for you on your path to creating the best life for yourself. Again, for me, I probably wouldn't have bought the same home if I had it to do over again and I had the same amount of money, but I learned from it. And so the second home and the third home and the fourth home, each time I got a little bit better at it. Of course, I was a real estate agent by then. When I bought my first home, I was not a real estate agent, so I learned a lot there too. So again, you've been listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. When we aren't on air, follow us on all of our socials at the Duncan Duo. Make sure to hit us up at DuncanDuo.com if you're thinking about selling your home, if you want an instant cash offer, if you want a guaranteed sale on your home in 14 days at DuncanDuo.com. And if you're somebody thinking about getting into real estate or you're in real estate now and not happy where you are, hit us up at JoinTheDuo.com. Thanks so much for tuning in and have an awesome rest of your Sunday, Tampa Bay.